greatest theologian of all time, Jesus was a rather untheological guy. And here's what I mean. If theology is the study of God so that we can know who God is and know the things of God, well, then that makes Jesus the perfect theologian because he's God in the flesh, right? Who better to know the things of God than God himself? And yet, whenever Jesus encounters people in the gospel, he he doesn't speak to them the way that the most respected theologians of modern times speak. He doesn't use all of these complex sentence structures and highfalutin vocabulary to impress them. He doesn't use all these fancy foreign Latin phrases or something like that in order to sound really, really smart in the ears of his listeners. Rather, Jesus speaks to people in ways that even the most uneducated among them can understand. And one of these communication tools that Jesus very frequently used was the parable. A concrete illustration that he uses to convey some spiritual or or heavenly uh, message about God's activity in his kingdom or our place in that kingdom. And today we get to see one of these parables of Jesus in Matthew 13. And we're just going to take a look at the first couple of verses here to sort of set the stage for us today. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And so maybe you can imagine in your mind's eye that the crowds that that thronged around Jesus, sometimes literally thousands of people coming to seek an audience from him, and they're pressing around him, pressing around him. So what does Jesus do? Because he wants everybody to be able to hear the messages from his mouth, he gets into a boat, he withdraws a little way from the shore, and he speaks to the crowds from there, right? After all, if you have huge crowds pressing in on you, you might be able to reach the first, the ears in the first couple of rows, but, but not those way in the back. If you've ever been on a lake in the evening, though, you might understand this effect that a lake can create an almost like amphitheater effect. So as the people spread out along the shoreline, he's able to reach a lot more ears in doing this. Well, then here's what happens next. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And so here's that, that parable of Jesus, right? Now, the illustration that Jesus uses here is maybe not such a common scene for you and me today. After all, uh, we don't live in what we would call an agrarian society in the United States here in 2023. That is to say, uh, the majority of people are not actively engaged on a daily basis in the occupation of growing things, whether they be plants or animals, right? That's really what an agrarian society is. It's, it's like a, a farming society where a lot of people are engaged in that activity from day to day. 
But Jesus did live in an agrarian society, and so this would have been a very common scene that pretty much all of Jesus' listeners would have been familiar with. It's that farmer who has done the work of preparing his land. He has tilled it. He has fertilized it. He's done whatever else it is that farmers do to prepare their land that I don't know about since we don't live in an agrarian society. And then he's ready to scatter all the seed, right? And in that hymn we just sang, we see he does this kind of recklessly, right? He, he's not stingy with it. He's not going to run out. And so he throws the seed all over the place, right? Here, there, left, right. He scatters that seed. Well, some of that seed lands on the, the hard ground of the path, whether it was stone or whether it was uh, dirt that had simply been trampled down so often that it became like pavement almost, right? Either way, that seed wasn't able to work its way down below the, the surface of the ground. And so what happened? Those opportunistic birds saw a snack just waiting there for them, flew down, plucked it up, and that seed never had a chance to grow, right? Well, other seed then falls on what's probably more like, like think of a, a shallow layer of soil with rock beneath it. That was able to work its way down a little bit. It germinates, it sprouts, but what happens? The, the roots can't go very deep. So when the hot sun comes up, it sucks up all the moisture in that little layer of dirt and the plant withers and dies. Well, other seed then falls among thorny ground. Those plants too start to grow up but the thorns are growing up with it. The thorns aren't uprooted. And so what happens? The thorns dominate, constrict the crop plant, and kill it. Now it too is dead. And yet there's also plenty of this seed that falls on the good soil, right? There it is able to take root. Its roots are able to go down deep into that soil that maintains its nutrients and its moisture, it sprouts, it turns into a stalk, it turns into a mature plant, and then finally it arrives at its goal of bearing fruit, right? Of providing a crop for that sower who went out sowing at the beginning of the season. So this is that parable that Jesus teaches to the people that day. Now, typically, Jesus did not go on to spell out all the details of his parables, he typically let the messages of those illustrations kind of speak for themselves. Since, however, this seems to be kind of early on in Jesus' parable-telling career, and because he's also trying to train his disciples to carry the torch after he ascends back into heaven, he does actually, later on with his disciples, take time to explain this parable to them. And that's what we find then starting at verse 18. Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, as you hear Jesus' description of this, his explanation of that parable, I think we could probably say that we all know 
individuals who fall into those various categories, right? Like we all know people who, when they hear the name Jesus, they just kind of laugh at it and turn away. They're, they're not going to listen, right? And so Satan snatches that word right away from them before it ever has time to, to germinate and start taking root. And then I think we also probably all know people who maybe became really enthusiastic at one point about the Christian message, maybe started coming to church with you, but they didn't really stick with it. They didn't get into the habit. The roots didn't grow down deep. And so when trouble came or when Christianity no longer seemed like it was convenient for them, their faith withered up and died. You probably also know some people who grew up going to church for many, many years, maybe from the time that they were infants, And yet, as they came into adulthood, things like business and the kids' sports schedule and relationships became the deepest joy of their hearts. And so they stopped giving their time to the Lord. They stopped listening to the word. And those worldly affairs ended up choking out their faith too. And then I think we also all know, look around, hint, hint, we also know plenty of people who heard that word, who continued in that word, and then who remained Christians for their entire lives, right? We all know people who fall into these different categories. And yet we need to be a little bit careful here because Jesus is not typically in the habit of telling you somebody else's story. When Jesus speaks, yes, sometimes he speaks to these crowds but he is aiming those words at individual hearts. And so as we read this parable, it's very important that you see Jesus' finger pointing at you. Don't worry so much about the person next to you. See that finger pointed at you just as they are seeing that finger pointed at them, and I am seeing it pointed at me. Jesus speaks to individual hearts. And when we understand this, The whole point of this parable, its message and application for each of us individually becomes actually abundantly clear. In fact, Jesus himself spelled it out in verse 9. Wherever you find yourself in life, wherever you find the growth of your faith at this point in time, whoever you are, you got ears? Jesus' message for you is this. Listen. Don't get wrapped up in how everybody else around you is receiving the word. First and foremost, you listen. If you are not a Christian by chance and you came here today, maybe because you're just curious about this whole Jesus thing or maybe because your spouse dragged you here, don't turn his voice away. Listen, if you have found yourself going through some troubling periods of life, don't let those things discourage you away from this word. Those troubles are going to stay regardless. No, listen, don't let your heart grow enamored with money or romance or entertainment. Don't worry about how, uh, don't worry about the temporal consequences that you might face as a result of listening to this word. Just keep on listening. If you have ears, listen and keep on listening. Because it is this word, 
which is the only thing that can bear meaningful fruit for your life in the end. Not a successful business, even if it makes you millions. Not how well your kid can hit a home run or spike a volleyball, even if they end up winning a gold medal in the Olympics. This word is the only thing that bears meaningful fruit in the end because it is the only fruit that lasts forever. And why? Not because of all the great advice you're going to find in it. Guess what? You can find really good advice for life from a lot of different sources. Not because it's going to make your bed a life of roses. No, the reality will often be the opposite. Not because this is a word that is going to teach you how to make yourself right with God. The reason why this word is the only thing that can bear that sort of lasting fruit is because God's word is the only message that can make the spiritually dead come alive. You see, in this word, you are going to hear that message that you're spiritually dead. In this word, you are going to hear that message of sin. The fact of the matter is that even though God is the one who gave us our ears, we have not often used them to listen to his voice. He put that conscience in our hearts that knows the difference between right and wrong, but the truth is that oftentimes we have listened to what's wrong and we have ignored what's right. In this word, God gives his commands and we break those commands. God tells us his desires in this, world, in this word, but then also in this word, we see how so often we have gone running after the things that, that God says he hates. A couple months ago, my daughter Jane started doing this real fun thing that I showed you in that children's message, right? Plugging her ears whenever she knew mom or dad was about to say something she didn't want to hear. That's exactly what we do, though, on a spiritual level with God. We plug our ears and we refuse so often to listen to him. And because of that, we, we don't deserve to hear our father's voice. We don't deserve to hear his messages of love or hope or comfort. We don't deserve to hear his, his gracious promises for our lives. But in this word, we hear something else too. In this word, we also hear about God's grace. We hear about his solution to that sin problem that we have. It's only in this word that you are going to hear about how God sent you his son, that son who, who always had time to listen to anybody who came to him with a problem, that son who lent his ear to those broken by sin and to the suffering. More importantly in this word, you'll hear about that son who always listened to his father. The son who sought his father's desires with every beat of his heart and every breath in his lungs. In this word, we hear about a son who even listened to his father when his father told him to bear the sin and suffer the hell of people just like me who have so often plugged their ears like petulant children and gone running away from his voice. In this word is where we hear that voice of Jesus calling to us, you haven't listened all the time. 
But that's okay. Not because it was okay, but because I have made it okay. By my obedience, by my blood, by my sacrifice for you. Listen to how my Easter resurrection means life eternal now for you and even means new life for you right this very day. Why is this word the one that bears lasting forever fruit? Because in this word we hear that message of grace which completely overwhelms and swallows up all the destructive nature of our sin. And that's the message that was on the heart and and mind of a man who came into his pastor's office to talk one day, an aging man. He had become a Christian a bit later on in life. And so as he started talking to the pastor, he said, you know, I, I really wish that I would have started listening a lot earlier. Then I wouldn't have wasted the last 60 years. And the pastor kind of looked at him and said, um, what do you mean exactly by that? And the man said, for so long, I shut out that voice of Jesus. That voice which could have raised me up from my guilt so much sooner. That voice which could have brought me real and lasting hope so much sooner. That voice which would have given me a reason to stop making such selfish, destructive decisions so much earlier. I wish I would have been listening. I wish that I could have those years back. And the pastor thought about his reply for a moment and then said, You know, what what matters so much in the end is not so much the when, but that you did listen. And that through this listening, the Holy Spirit created faith in your heart. So yeah, maybe you missed out on a few of the earlier years because you weren't listening. But in the grand scheme of things, the reality is, that you get to listen to the voice of Jesus and you get to listen to your father's voice for years that are infinite. Well, brothers and sisters, whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, wherever you have been, wherever you see yourself going, if you have ears, use them to listen. Listen today to that word as it is scattered among you at so many times and in so many different ways. Listen to that word tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the day after. And it will grow and you will bear fruit. Because the spiritually dead, watered by the blood of Jesus, found in this word, are made alive forever. Amen.